Amen. We good to go? I think there's a clear message through the worship this morning. Both Pastor Tony and Carol are having a bit of an issue. <laughs> we'll do some counselling later to see if I to split up. Are you a child of God this morning? Question. Are you a child? Well, act like one. When I was knee-high to a grasshopper, it was not that long ago, my old mum, bless her soul, used to be, for those who knew my mum, if you would know my mum, she was a bit of a scurrier and a worrier. She'd always be running around left, right and centre, getting involved in everything, making sure the kids were sorted and that the bills paid and is tea ready, is the washing done. Because you know like a mum's job, a mum's job, help me out on this one mums, is bigger than just saying your mum. You know that's bigger, aren't you? You're head of domestics, you're head of discipline, you're head of finance, you're head of cooking. It's, there's nothing, all of it, Mel says, is everything, all in there. And sometimes my mum would get flustered I'd say, Ma, what are you doing? She said, you know what? I don't know if I'm coming or going. Is that a saying that would be quite prevalent with many of us? I don't know whether I'm coming or going. So if I had a title for this morning, it would be, Ralph, (laughs) am I coming or going? Okay. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, so I hope that you're going to be honest with me. Is that all right? So what do we normally say in these situations? Don't bear with me. Build with me, okay? So let's set and continue this atmosphere. Pastor Tony used a scripture last week which was very strong from 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Just need to tell you there's a lot that I'm going to get through this morning so my pace will be good, okay? So if you can't catch up, there is the podcast, there are CDs, there are notes available if you want them, okay? So are you ready to go? So it's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says this. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Holy Ghost. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. We said last week, or should I say Pastor Tony said last week, that is not our portion to be blind and deaf. Right, well, I said I was going to play with you. You've got to play with me this morning. It's not our portion to be blind or deaf. Is that right? It's our job to be seers and to be hearers. There is a story of Jesus when he heals the man who is blind from Mark 8, 23 to 25. And it says this, so he took the blind man by the hand. He led him out of the town. And when he spat on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hand on him again and made the man look up. And his sight was restored and he saw everyone. Why do we settle for seeing things in shadows and not seeing clearly? We want to live in that environment that says, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. We settle for part measure. We settle for part breakthrough. We settle for part life, part maturity, part walk in Christ. As long as I can see a bit more than when I came in, things are all right. It's not all right. It's not our right to settle there because we are those who should see with clarity and should hear with clarity. And the people of God said, just checking that you're hearing. We are to see and we're to hear. We never and should never ever settle for that lack of clarity. 
in Isaiah 31 and verses 32, sorry, verses 1 to 3. It says, Behold, a king, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will reign with justice. Each one of them will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry land, like the shade of a huge rock in a parched and weary land, to those who turn to them. Then the eyes of those who will see will no longer be blind, and the ears of those who will listen attentively. What has God been saying to us? There is an awakening. There is a wooing. There is a drawing close. Will you set your ear attentively to what I'm saying? So you can hear, but do you listen? You know, ask Ange, one of her big bugbears, I'll be honest with you now, being honest, one of Angie's big bugbears is Ange hates it when she thinks you're not listening to her. Now, I'll do something with the boys. I'll say, look at me when I'm talking to you. But my boys, both of them, have this wonderful piece of DNA that comes from me that looks like I'm not listening when she says, right, what did I say? And then you repeat it back and you can see her. She's really cheesed off because she wants to give it you both barrels. Just because it looks like I'm not paying attention doesn't mean I didn't hear you. But in hearing you also didn't mean that I was listening. <laughs> it means that I have an ability to capture information when it's in the background and it goes into that dark space whether or not I think it's important or not, that I can press the rewind button and things come back out. So that is one of Angie's big bugbears as far as we're concerned. Are you listening? Are you hearing? And can you bring something back? But from that scripture from Isaiah, you see that there was shelter, they were shade, and they were provision. You and I, when we hear with God, when we see with clarity, when we hear with clarity, are called to be the answer and not the problem. Your life... I'm laughing because I know some of you. I'm meant to be the answer and not the problem. Because he will reveal to us. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard. But God's intention is to bring clarity to you and I when we connect with him. Okay, right this side of the room seems to get that. As we connect with him, he brings greater clarity and understanding to us that we can walk out. I love this scripture that I've used this year from Job 8, 7. Though your beginnings may be small, your latter days will be great. Though your beginnings may be small, your latter days shall be great. Though your beginnings may be small, your latter days will be great. Do you know what? If you can't convince yourself, God's never going to convince you. I may have started here, but it's not my starting point. It's my end point that matters. Amen? We are approved. We are aligned for and by his will. He aligns me. The songs we've been singing this morning. His sin, uh, my sin was covered by his grace. The blood still speaks. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. All of this happens so that you and I can be held to be part and parcel of his will. And what were we looking at in Authentic? That I was born for such a time as this. That it wasn't just Esther. That God was the one, from what Acts tells us, that I was the one who set you in place in this time. I set your borders and boundaries when you should live, where you should live. You are perfect for this environment now. 
You and I are made to be changed and to be changed. But there was so much, like when Paul got up this morning and he was saying some things, that I believe that some people are not convinced in this moment. There is an old saying, I'll dig back, drill back into the 80s. There used to be a saying that was often used in church that used to go like this. When the devil reminds you of your past, well, we'll see who's around in the 80s here, don't we? Remind him of his future. That all the time he's looking to see you reduced, but he himself is being reduced. We'll have that one for another day. You are moving from glory to glory. He is diminishing. You are moving more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are sons of the kingdom king. Amen. So we're changing. So let me pick something up for you. Life. Life experiences. You know, we can't help but know that every one of us will have and face experiences in our life. Some good, some bad. But will those experiences that you go through, will that be what holds you? Will that be what shapes you? Or will the Holy Ghost be allowed to define what you are? Your past may have shaped you, but the Holy Ghost wants to define you. He wants to define the very place that you are. The issues, we can't ignore the issues of life, can we? Do you know what? When you read the story of the, the wise man and the foolish builder, it says one built on the rock, the other one built on the sand. But the storm came to both. The storm will come to your door or my door. The question at the end of the day is, what are you standing on? What is your security? Where is your hope? Where is your future? We are held by him. There's an outstanding verse that we all know, but I'll give it you anyway, from Isaiah 45 and verse 9. It says, can the, the clay say to the potter, what are you making? I looked at that verse this week and I did some little bit of research. There is one translation. Do you know what the translation is? God, you don't know what you're doing. Can the clay say to God, you don't know what you're doing? I bet you have. You were shaking your head and going, no, it can't, but I bet you have. I bet you have like I have. I said I'll be honest with you if you're going to be honest with me. There are circumstances that you go through in life. There are situations and you say, my God, you don't know what you're doing. And then we go and intercede and try and press into God to try and inform him what's going on. Do you know, God doesn't need to know what's going on. He doesn't need your help to inform him. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He doesn't live in time, he lives in eternity. And because he lives in an eternity, he was in the garden, he's at the cross, and he's in Revelation all at the same time, at the same place. He knows what your day's been like. He knows what needs you have. He knows what lack is in your situation. God knows. The problem that we have is that we don't know that he knows. And if we can get to the place of understanding, he knows, then maybe you or I might come into a different position of rest. So there's a difference between a rest and God's rest. When all hell's breaking loose, I can still be like Daniel in the lion's den, getting 40 winks. 
See, when you read the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he didn't turn around and said, and they opened the door, and he was building in the spirit, and he was interceding, and he's walking the floor, speaking in tongues, and he's commanding every lion to be still and to get back. He sat in the assurance of knowing that God was in control. But your issue and my issue is, we don't know if we're coming or going. Situations dictate, dictate in life that will push us one way and push us back the other way. One of the magic things to ever understand is that God knows about you, warts and all. See, you can have your Facebook profile. You can have your best Instagram. You can get out your Photoshop and get rid of all your wrinkles and your spots and your blemishes and all that kind of stuff. But God still knows what the real you is like. And he still likes you. He still loves you. Oh, right. Mark that one down. Next time preaching, let's deal with how God likes me. God loves me. He likes me. He sent his son to die for me. Everything that you think, everything that you plan, everything you scheme and fantasize about in the dark that you wish that no one would ever expose in the light, he knows. He knows my anxious thoughts. He knows when I stand. He knows when I sit, when I rise. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from you? If I go to the depth of the sea, you're there. If I go to the height of the mountains, you're there. He understands and he knows and he still loves you. And he still calls you a child of his. Our issue is always being in that continual fight and struggle of knowing where am I, what am I doing, where do I change, do I change, shall I change? Once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, he gives you the power and the right to change. Oh, right, three of us. He gives us the right and the power to change. And he enables us to choose a new reference point. Your reference point is, I'll just throw some names out. If this is your name, I'm sorry. You might turn around and say, oh, my name's Michael. I used to be a pimp. My name's Mary. I was this. My name's whatever. I had an abortion. You are not known by your behaviors. There is a new reference point that we are washed, that we're bought, that we're clean, that we have value. We have value. The world wants to tell you continually, David, you're just a number. You're not a number. In this environment of the world, you're a number. But to him, you're a son and daughter of the living God. You are valued. The same price was paid for you as it was paid for any other individual. The blood was shed for you and for me. We sang the song, didn't we, this morning? I am no longer to... Shall I unveil a few monsters of fear for you? Let's unveil a few monsters. Exposure. The fear of exposure. What am I... Oh, should I say, what am I really like? Would people know the real me? There has been something that came up, we picked it up in the group this week... There is more references now of people self-harming than anything else. I need to portray this, but the pain on the inside is massive. 
And I heard one guy actually say on the news that he was interviewing some people. Um, who was it? It was uh, Alastair Campbell was on TV the other day and he was talking because he'd suffered himself from mental illness and depression and different things. And he went to talk to some of these girls and boys who were self-harming. And the biggest thing that came back was he said in that moment that they cut, they felt there was a release of the pain that was on the inside. We have a fear of being exposed. If people knew the real me, somebody does know the real you and loves you anyway. What about the fear of your shame? My past, what I've done, or what others have done to me? If only you knew. How many people have you heard the stories of that seems to be, in this last few years, there seems to be back catalogues of abuse and shame of, I've never told anybody for 30 years I was abused in this home or this. And you hear that things were rife going down. And you go, I have done so many things that I am so ashamed of, but also things were done to me that I'm ashamed of that hold me in fear. And that fear also becomes, and if you knew, I then become exposed because once I know about Chris, I'll never look at him the same way again. He doesn't look at you the same way again. He changed my state. He changed my nature. But that fear of rejection. So you know what happens when we have a fear of rejection for so many of us? We become men pleasers. Just do whatever it is, just to keep the status quo. Never really give you opinion. Never rock the boat. Always be the nice one. Always be Mr. Grey or Mrs. Beige. I never have an opinion. I'm never going to rock the boat. I'm always going to be, hi. And I'm just kind of squidgy, edgeless individual that kind of goes, because of rejection, and I want to be loved by everybody, I'll always tell Eric what he wants to hear, not necessarily what he needs to hear. And you know the worst place to have that issue is when you stand here. And there are so many men of God who stand here with that problem of rejection who no longer say what he is saying, but will say what your itching ears want to hear. They will feed you what you want to keep a bum on a seat. We're changed. We're supposed to grow up. About intimacy. About a fear of intimacy. You never really give yourself. You hold back the real you. And just as I was thinking about this this morning, I had the picture of a canal. Your canal is a piece of water, isn't it? Like a river, but it's held captive by two walls. Is that right? Is that a quick definition? Not an engineer. Is that a quick definition? We all know what a canal is. So you're not too mad. I went, oh, I was misconfused, Phil. Uh, it was a puddle you were talking about. A canal like we've got at the end of our road here. So the canal, and what I saw in this canal where intimacy was concerned was a lock. And in the middle of a lock of this water that has a purpose is this lock. Does the lock have a purpose? Still has a purpose. But what I saw intimacy as this morning, when it suited me, I let things in and I let things out. The rest of the water is there consistently. Barges are going up and down. The ducks are swimming on it. The kids are playing in it. The tires are floating in it. You've got all the stuff that's going on. But in that lock, it chooses when to allow water in 
and when to allow water out. And so many of us where intimacy are concerned go, it suits me, so I'll let you in a bit. But as soon as it doesn't suit me, I'm opening the trap door and I'm ushering you back out again. Think about that one. What about the fear of loneliness? When the door shuts, what is the real you? Some of us grew up with the songs, things like the tears of a clown. Although there's a smile on my face, I'm crying on the inside. And we're lonely, we're isolated. Maybe there's the fear of exposure, rejection, any of the above that means that I'm lonely, I'm isolated. I shut the door and it's me and my world. And there's a fear of that. about the fear of man? Fear of man comes along and says, what will they say or what they do to me and the power you think they hold over you? See, I can have no power over you, but if you think I have power over you because I can expose you and I know your secrets and you told me something when you'd had a few sherbets that you should never have told me and you think that I better not cheese Phil off because it's going on Facebook, if Phil used Facebook. (laughs) All of these things become, again, that fear of man. And it holds you. There's so many times that people hold that secret because they fear that if I share it with somebody else, I'll be exposed, my shame will be brought down, I'll be rejected. All of these things have a knock-on effect. What about fear of the future? What will it hold for me? My life is going downhill. Somebody said getting up to 40 is the hill, and then after 40 you start going downhill. And then a generation who got to 40 said, no, 50 is the new 40. When I get to 50, then it might be going down. And then the ones at 50 went, oh, hang on a minute. You're not doing this because life's still good. When I get to 50, 60 is the new 40. And we move the goalpost, don't we? Right, for anybody over 40, we move the goalpost, don't we? Because life's not over. But there is fear of this future Because there was once when your assets have now become your liabilities. Your assets have now become your liabilities. And I can see you pondering, saying, Phil, what are you talking about? Let me just give you a brief, brief scenario for that. Pastor Tony and I are in the gym. We're working out. We're doing some stuff. As the pastor says, stallions are giving it some. And then people ask you, what are your body shape? They go, Are you, you get on the machine, it says, what is your body shape? Enter your body shape here. Athletic. <laughs> big boned. And then Tony said, he's looking. So what are you looking for? He said, Chester drawers. So what do you mean Chester drawers? He said, me chest is in me drawers. <laughs> there was a time when your assets were what you could sell. Your look, your figure, your beauty, your hair when you had some. All of these things were assets and now they're liabilities that you're trying to prop up and change any way that you can. But that fear of the future can often be, if I can't sell this, what does anybody want? What about what's on the inside, not just what's on the outside? I won't say it. I was going to say it, but I'm not going to say it. No, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not going to say it about beauty being skin deep, but we'll leave it. What about the monster of fear of lack? So we start to focus on everything that we don't have rather than what we do have. 
it produces in us a poverty mentality. And a poverty mentality isn't about how much money I've got in the bank. I lack relationship. I lack intimacy. I lack friends. I lack connectedness. I lack purpose. I lack belonging. All of these things. And it makes me so that I end up being some kind of miser, trying to hold on to everything. And instead of being that two-way gateway, it comes in and passes out. When it comes, I try and hold on to it so much. All of these are expressions of fear. Now, you sang this morning, I am no longer a slave to fear. So you better go and have a word with yourself. You better have a word with yourself. All of those things that we've talked about, whether your life experiences or the monsters of fear, all are real and all are relative in the life and times that we lead. But there has to be something else for us. The definition of a slave is this, one who is dependent or controlled by something. So what are you dependent on or what are you controlled by? What are you dependent on or what are you controlled by? So many of us believe that if we live in the area of our soul, our emotions, then everything's okay. You realize that you're a spirit being, your emotions come second. I didn't say we ignore them. I didn't say we're machines. But when you change the order and the spirit man is pushed to one side and everything just becomes about your emotions, you will always be rocky. You're on on an even state, say the, say the least on that. But we are given the tools to change because of what Jesus Christ has done. And again, speak to Pastor Tony if you've never been exposed to it. His writing's on the Calvary software package, yes? Find out that it wasn't just coming to the cross. It's life beyond and through the cross that will enable us to move from one degree of glory to the next. That allow us to come to intimacy. That allow us to find him under the apple tree. That allow the Holy Ghost to reveal him to us. That leads us into all truth. That causes us to be changed and transformed. All of those things are found when we go through the cross. Religion wants to keep me at the cross, always a sinner, always never being good enough, always waiting, always being dependent on that great day. It is a finished work. He's now sat down at the right hand of the Father waiting for you and I to come to maturity. So the spirit and the bride say, come. He's coming for a bride without spot, wrinkle or blemish. We have to grow up before we go up. All changes. Let me tell you about the great leveler. This great leveler of what Jesus Christ has done for us and he, he brings to us. Your color, gender, race, history, upbringing, whether you were dragged up or whether you were brought up. Now that's, a, I don't know, that's a Mancunian term that I'm using there. I wasn't brought up, I was dragged up. Oh, so we're we not all from Manchester now. Were you brought up or dragged up? I think there's a, a mixture of 50-50 on that one. The situation, it doesn't matter what our background was. Our social standing, prince, pauper, your heritage, Jew, Gentile, we are all on the same starting line in Jesus Christ. I may have been used, I may have been abused, I may have been hurt, I may have been broken. I may have hurt and broken other people. But when I come to Jesus Christ, I repent. He sets my feet upon the rock and we all have the same starting point moving forward. 
That may take you 50 years in your line to get to that starting point, but when you're there and you hear the bee of the bang, you better do something with it. You better do something with it. We are not called just to look good. We have got one of those gyms that's quite cheap because we don't need the expensive one. We've got one of those gyms where if you want to get sweaty, you can go and get sweaty. But there is also these people that come to the gym that look like they never, ever need to go to the gym, and they turn up in the best kit. Anybody? Well, let's start with anybody ever been to the gym. <laughs> you go to the gym, what's the gym? And they're in there, they've got it all going on, they've got the best kit, and they're sat on the cycle machine texting. Just like that. You're sweating like a tramp. You've got it all going on. It's, you're soaking. You look like you've poured your bottle of water over you. But you see these people have got it all together. So many people get to the starting line and going, I've been washed. I've been cleansed. This is it. I've got it all together. And now I stand here texting. What Jesus did for me in 250 characters for my tweet. I'll tweet it out. Life never changes. I'm never involved in the race. I'm never passing the baton to somebody else or them passing to me. I stand looking good. And God goes, I didn't make you to stand and look good. I made you to change. I made you to get dirty knees. I made it so that you'll bruise your elbows. You'll get a bit of a scuff on it. I made it so that you'll go through things and have the capacity to come out of the other side. If you want to tell me you're an orphan, if you want to tell me you're abandoned, if you want to tell me you're black, white, green, and every color in between, if you want to tell me you're from a council estate, and that you don't know what's been done to you, you're absolutely right, because I can't change you. If you want to have a reference point of your past, I can't change you. But Jesus Christ says, you don't have to stay there. Even when the person or the teacher told you at school, you're never going to do anything. You'll never achieve anything. You're always going to be a numpty. The best you're going to do is this or do that. Or maybe it was your parents or your friends or your social group. Always said you're a rubbish husband or you're a rubbish wife. Why parenting? Oh, you're rubbish. You need to get on a course. Everybody who reduced you, if you want to stay there, stay there. If you're happy to stay with the pigs, then stay with the pigs. But that doesn't have to be your destination. I wrote a note this morning, fresh note. I may have woke up, God, you're speaking in the night, wrote down, Lot's wife syndrome. The Lot's wife syndrome. You are so concerned about looking back that you have no understanding of where you are or where you're supposed to be going. And for many of us, we're actually be more comfortable with our past than where we are the uncomfortableness, as David and Veronica brought this moment, or this morning, sorry, of change. I'm uncomfortable with change. I'm not sure about change. I'm scared about change. I'm fearful of change. What will it mean? What will it do? Where will it go? What will it cost? All of these things are put out, so I'll stay where I was. The Lot's wife syndrome. I'm leading you from Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to a good place. Just follow us. But whatever you do, don't look back. She's turned into a pillar of salt in that moment 
Because even though she had the direction of what was going to be good for her moving forward, she couldn't help but have that as her reference point. So where's your reference point? Am I coming or am I going? Am I staying where I was or am I going where he says I'm going? Am I becoming what he says I should become? Because again, let us uh, help you into a little secret. This is not about special ones. This is not all about who prayed the most, who read the most, and who's got the most copies of Every Day with Jesus and the most uh, fridge magnets. This is about me learning to walk with him. And as I walk with him, it's my right, it's my power to change. Thank you, Veronica. It's your right and my right to change. So I am no longer a slave. So that leads us very nicely into no longer. If you do a study in your Bible, every time you find the term no longer, underline it. Because God, by the Holy Ghost, is making a point. If something is no longer, then I am coming into something new. If I've not come into something new, I can come into something new because no longer are you this. So should we have a look at a few no longers? Okay. Ephesians 2.19 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God, God's people, and members of his household. I am no longer a stranger, an alien, or a foreigner. I am part of the household of God. If God did a census, you'd be in it. The census comes around. What is it, every 10 years? census comes around. And they say, will you name the people who are in your household? And then they hold that information against your address. If there was a census, God said, Chris is in my household. He is the one who takes us turns our life around, and he sets the lonely in families. I am no longer an alien. I am no longer a foreigner, but I belong to the household of God. There is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of ownership. So already when we're talking about lack and some of those emotional issues, when I understand that I am part and parcel of the household of God, I have purpose. I have belonging. I have connectedness. If you want to say, I'm not, right, fine. But he says, no longer are you a foreigner or an alien, but you are part of my household. So tell your face. (laughs) I am no longer separated in that area. Amen? Amen. What about Ephesians 4, 17 and 18? So I tell you this and insist on it. So I think he's saying, I might be making a point here, and you better take this as being serious. I insist on it. In the Lord, that you no longer live as Gentiles in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is due to them and the hardening of their hearts. I insist that you no longer think like Gentiles. I insist that you no longer think like Gentiles. That thinking will harden your hearts. 
Is anything impossible for God? Well, that's where you're all wrong, because there is things. God can't lie, so there's one thing that's impossible. But when we look at the situation, we say that his word will never return to him empty or void, but will accomplish that which he sets out to do. Is that right? So God's word will be accomplished. But if you're reading Mark's gospel, there is a scripture there that is so strong that you should find it yourself, because I'm not going to give you a reference, do your own homework, where Jesus Christ turns around and says, your own traditions will nullify the word. So the word comes to you, but your way of thinking, the way you establish yourself, the way that you want to drag so many things. You see, we are meant to be new born-again believers. Amen? Still with the Holy Ghost? Speakers in tongues? Why is our most frequent language Google? People are fluent in Google. If I've got an issue, Google. If I'm trying to find out my problem, Google. And then what I will do is, I think I told you a few months ago of my nephew was having some issues after being in Australia. And he went to his doctor and told his doctor the exact symptoms that he had. And the first thing doctor said was, you've been on Google. Because that isn't going to come out of your mouth, but you've now convinced yourself of the answer that I found on Google is what will set me up. Now I am to no longer insist on it, think like the Gentiles. So where is my word content? Where is it I find his face? Where is it that he changes me? Or is all the time, yes, I had my self-help class and I, I went through, listened to the latest guru and I read these books and it was all about me. I've got to find my wellness and my wholeness. Do I need wellness and wholeness? But there's a way to find it. He is the gateway, not some kind of counterfeit. But I am to no longer think like Gentiles. Romans 6 and 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that our body is no longer ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So I am no longer a slave. We sin because of our habit, not because of our nature. Now we've covered all this in Authentic. I am a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. If a man sins, there is a way to put that right. By 1 John 1 verse 9, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If a man continues to sin, he is not part of Christ. Again, John, my life, I sin because of sin habit the things that I need to learn to change. He dealt and gave me a new nature. I must deal with my habit. So no longer keep making excuses and justifying your habit. Well, you know, it's like if Adam fell and he fell, what hope is it for me? You are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Remember, what is a slave to be dependent on or controlled by? I live with the responsibility of a free man. You see, when you're a slave, there is only certain things you can do. Do you know when you're a slave, you ain't getting a lion. You're not getting a lion. When, 
when it goes, right, six o'clock, you're up, you're making the fire, where's my breakfast, all the stuff's going on. If you were to live by, a, by the rules of a slave, your life is governed by the actions, thoughts, and processes of somebody else. Is that right? But I am no longer a slave, but my freedom can be a bigger hindrance than being a slave. You can ponder that one for a little bit. The freedom that I have, what was it that Paul battled with in the New Testament church? That people turned around and said, we should sing more, that grace can abound more. How unbalanced was that approach? Oh, Jesus can show that he loves me even more because he has to keep forgiving me and I keep telling people how the way he changes my life. And we love it. Don't we love, I love this whole thing of God of the second chance. I am so grateful that God has been God at the second chance. You lot might be perfect. You're all, you've all sainthood. You've already got it. You're all going to heaven. The fanfares are going to rain when you walk in. For me, I'm sneaking through the back door where no one's looking. You might be great, but I know in my life where I've had to come back, where he found me, he laid his hands on me, and I met that God of a second chance. But now I have an understanding of the liberty and freedom that he brings to me. As a son that I don't have to be held captive, there is a responsibility. And sometimes it's better to never know than to know. But that's for another day. What about Ephesians 4, 14 and 15? Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body in him. We are no longer infants tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, teaching, cunningness, craftiness, and deceitful scheming. Can I just make a reference point here for a second? Cunningness, craftiness, and people and their deceitful scheming. That's in the church. That's not outside of the church. Phil's gospel, the gospel according to Mancunian, this is where it goes. If you don't want your pants pulling down, you better sort yourself out. See, when we're an infant, I'm dragged one way or another. People tell me, oh, this is what should be done. This is how it is be done. They get experience and make it doctrine, which is never true. Your experience will never... Is your experience real? Yes, but it's not doctrine. And people come along and they have a deceitful scheming way of how to get your money, how to draw your resources, how to hold you an emotional captive. Where it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, so be slaves no longer. I'm not just turning around and saying we've just started the, um, the union of church. We've started a trade union in church. You're going, everyone through, everyone, all out, everybody out. Pastor Tony said something, everybody out. We are not doing that, but like the Bereans, we are called to be men and women who will search the scriptures for ourselves. No longer be an infant. You know what scripture says about an infant? It says, if you are like an infant, you cannot inherit it, and there's no difference between you and a slave while you remain a child. Because you haven't come to age, and we cannot trust you with the future and the wealth of what has been laid up for you. So you go, why is it, why is it always work for Dave and not for me? Maybe you need to grow up. 
Because these are things that nobody wants to tell you, but maybe you need to grow up. Maybe I need to grow up and take some responsibility. You know, we were talking in the group on Thursday night, and one of the things was, you go, where are all the miracles? Where, where are all these miracles? Where's the healing? Where's the breakthrough? Where's the miraculous? And you look around the room and go, you're the problem. You're the problem. Because God's not the problem. He's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's looking for a man to work in and through. A body you have prepared for me. You're the problem. If I can stop being infant and move to maturity and grow into the mature Christ, he cannot help but move in me and through me. There's also something else. I wrote this. I wasn't going to say it, but I have wrote it. So I'll write it down. Ladies, help me. Okay? Ladies, if you are a lady, I'm asking you to help me. Just because a man grows in stature, he's now six foot four, because I'm six one, so he's six four, he's a big guy, never meant that he became a man. I'm a man on the outside but I'm a little boy on the inside. And you tell me, ladies, you don't struggle so often with the little boy in the man that you married or you were dating or you've been around or you were turned off by because you found him on Tinder or wherever you found him. (laughs) You went out and you found this guy and he looked everything that you wanted and then he opened his mouth and the little boy came out. Mm, right, okay. All of you, I said I was going to be honest with you. You weren't going to be honest with me. So if you've closed your Tinder account, you've done your dating web, you've done all these bits, that's fine. But there is so often you are looking for the man who will help you to grow, to cover you, to help you so that he can take the lead, that you can feel covered, secure. Come on, ladies, help me out here. In all of this stuff that you're looking for, not just how big his bank account is, and have you got your five year plan? Who cares about your five year plan? What is this that I'm going to be joined to? Can't be the little boy who's going to run home to his mom or say, I want you. I didn't marry a wife. I married my mother in a different void because she's got to clean for me, cook for me, pick me socks up off the bedroom floor. Well, he's only me and you. (laughs) Maybe, ladies, maybe you've already tamed him. That's all right. Maybe you've already tamed him. Or what about, fellas, when you meet that girl who's still the little girl, somebody's princess, who feels I'm entitled to everything and you should just go and get for me and there's no partnership, that's, stop it. (laughs) Two lovebirds on the front row here, looking at each other starry-eyed. We see the elements of her failings and where at any time there's a problem wants to run away back to her Rapunzel castle, that if she chooses, she'll let down the hair and give you access. But if not, I'll pull it all back again. And they use manipulation. Men will use intimidation, but ladies, you have a better one. in (laughs) Manipulation. Flash of the eyelids, the roll of the ankle. It can be anything that you've got. The fist is... It's a Mosley thing. It seems to be. It's a, it's a Mosley. It's... But in all of this, I have to move from the infant state to the mature state. What about 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15? For Christ's love compels us. To be compelled is force or obligation. 
because we are convinced that no one died, or sorry, convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all and therefore those who live should no longer live for themselves. I should no longer live for myself but for him who died for them and raised him again. Do you know, I was told as a kid growing up, my dad had pearls of wisdom, didn't have many, apart from stick a fiver on the uh, at Newmarket, the 315. He didn't have that many pearls of wisdom. But one of the things he used to say, son, if you want to get away in life, you want to make sure you're all right, look after. Well, you knew me, dad. Look after, number one. So what we do is we spend our lives making sure that I protect... I protect number one. And in protecting number one, all the things that we sought before, I will stay an infant. I will stay a slave. I will stay distant. All of the things that he said you are no longer to be, when I look after me and don't expand what I am, I become an island all of my own. I'm reliant on me. I don't need any other people. Now you always go, that's not me. Veronica will say, that's not me. I might have a problem with my Verukas, but I don't have a problem with this area of being on my own until you have to do something with somebody else. And then we find out how many times you've got a problem sharing your life with somebody. Because all of those fears then come back. Rejection, shame, all of those things we looked at sat in the background, but I no longer have to be that way. Is that right? We have a term here in the Dream Center that says that when I understand corporate unity, I move from I to... Well, you're not around for the six months when we talk that. We move from I to we. There is a corporate responsibility. The whole thing of when Scripture says, why don't you prefer one another? Why don't you live for him? Why don't you stand for him? Why don't you declare? There is an element of where we do life together but it's bigger than me. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that lives in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The I life has to come to an end. The church body of Jesus Christ will be so much different and so much more vibrant if the I life came to an end and Christ was brought first. If we made him pro-evident in everything that we do, is the center of our worship, is the center of our praise, is the center of our testimony, is the center of the life that we reflect. If Christ is central and I'm not the one being seen, things will change. Said things will change. But if the I life will never come to an end, I will never live for somebody else. Each one of these steps can either be a separate stepping stone or can be the dominoes that each one leads into the next. If you can never come to say, Christ died for me, and I no longer live but him, I'll never come into maturity into any of the other areas because every time I come to church and find myself in God's presence, it's all about... 
Now, I t again, I told you this. I said I was going to be honest. If you're not going to be honest, that's fine. And it's not my job to try and beat you up. It's our job to look at it and say, when Scripture says no longer, it means no longer. So don't stand with all gusto singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Got all that bit. Got to have a bit of gravel in your voice. I am a child of God. Woo! Straight in. I'm in. I'm in. Pass the audition. X Factor. I'm going. I'm going to judges' houses. Joel Cocker turns up, as Chris said. Beautiful. But if I don't find the no longers, I will continue to justify how I have always lived and wonder why I'm waiting for a Sunday morning for the word just to change my life. Grow up. Word to the wise, grow up. And to this side, to the wiser, because he's more gray on this side than he is on that side. <laughs> grow up. Grow up. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. And everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has laid up in store for them. But this has been revealed to Why? Because I no longer see you as servants and something that is subservient to what's going on. You are my friends. Help me. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants, and I will reveal to you the thoughts, the counsels, the passions, the desires, the direction and the wantfulness of God. I will reveal to you. And this then falls, you and I, into a very, very distinct category. It was given to Abraham. And Abraham was a friend of God. Look through scripture and see how many times the term a friend of God is used. You will find it. But he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Our status changes completely when I no longer. It's coming to a conclusion. Romans 6 and verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. And death no longer has mastery over him. You see, that's good until you actually start drilling down a little bit. If death has no mastery over him, death has no mastery over because I am part of his body. He's the head and we're the body. What's the point of going, right, here we go. Uh, we've got one of that, what's that Martian film? The Martian film where you've got the head of Tom Jones just in a jar, Martians landing or whatever it was. Mars attacks, Mars attacks. We, Jesus Christ is not a head in a glass jar waiting for something to happen. We're the body, so whatever happens to the head, we are attached to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Death, where is your victory? Or grave, where is your sting? For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the works, the presence, and the power of the evil one. And what is the power that holds mankind? The fear of? 
I no longer need to fear it because there is a hope and assurance of what I am attached to and where I am going. When I don't know where I'm going, there is a fear attached to everything that I do. But yet in him, this fear of death has been broken. It no longer has mastery over him. And it has no mastery over him. It has no mastery over me. John 16, 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Until now, no longer ask for anything in my name. When you and I stop using the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, just in Jesus' name, it becomes uh, abracadabra, magic rabbit foot. Use your password from eBay. Whatever it is, I'm using it as something, but when I see what this scripture is talking about in its fullness, and again, we've covered it in the past, by finding ourselves in his name is that his, his name and my name are intertwined. There is no beginning of where he starts and nowhere beginning of where I end. So when I ask him my, in his name because the Father will give me whatever I ask, it's because the Father sees him and me as... But if I stay an infant, am I getting any breakthrough? If I live for myself, am I getting breakthrough? All of these things we looked at before will all have a domino effect for or against. So the question is again, are you coming or are you going? And final one. John 6, 66 and 68. This is one we don't like, but I'll throw it out anyway. From this time on, many of his disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, Jesus said to the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, where shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. When things get tough, when a teaching's hard, when God's speaking, there will be those who go, hey, I was in it for the show, but now the ride's getting a bit harder. I no longer follow and do you know what? Do you know what the hard bit about that is? That could be you or it could be me. Because the person who makes the decision is me. You know what we found out about being in church for a long time? We've been around for a long time. The last person to know that they're backslid is the one who's backslid. And if I turned around and said, poor Emma, it's your own fault sitting on the front. If I said to her, Emma, you know, can we have a bit of a chat? I've had a few concerns. I've noticed that things maybe have been dropping off a bit how defensive she will then get and fight her. It's been a hard week. Do you know what? I've, and we justify every position instead of recognizing that, yeah, maybe my fire has been going out a bit. Can you help me? Yeah. Different question. See, we can all be sin detectors, can't we, and find out why somebody else ain't doing the job right. But can you help somebody get back on track? The rising of Priscilla's and Aquila's. But we said this morning, didn't we, that God is the God of the second chance. No longer's standalone or dominoes. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. 
Now that's all right for singing a song. Now, are you and am I a child of God? But what did it say about infants? I can't stay there. For when I was a child, I thought, acted, and reasoned like a child. But now I am a man, I put childish ways behind me. I'm a child because I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I am found in him. Yes? I don't need all the scriptural references for it. I'm found in Christ this morning. But I must become a son of the Father, a son of the kingdom. If I become a son of the Father, a son of the kingdom, he's able to entrust me with all that he has promised and laid up in store for me. For I have already given you everything you need for life and godliness. So the godliness bit is covered in church. The life bit is what you're trying to fill with your emotional state of making sure your emotions are taken care of. God says, I will deal with your emotions and the spirit man. It's all here, but you need to come to maturity to access it. So come on, guys, let's just stand to our feet. I'm no longer. Are you running around this morning not knowing whether you're coming or you're going? The whole thing of there was a slow uptake this morning when it started to say, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, my past is forgiven. We did, there's no declaration. You know what the declaration is? It's showing what's going on on the inside of you. The acceptance of that truth that I am no longer a slave to this fear because I am bought, I'm washed, I'm forgiven. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. He gives me the promise of the, whole, of, the, of the Father, the Holy Ghost, to lead me into all truth, to reveal what I am, to reveal sons, daughters, to allow me to come to maturity, to put away my childish ways, to grow up into him. All of these things, no longer. But you choose the no longer. Am I coming? Or am I going? I can stay in my mini whirlwind all day long, all week long, or I can stop and ask the Holy Ghost to start showing me where do I need a no longer in my life? Where am I going to allow fear to be broken once and for all so that he did not give me a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind? I don't think like a Gentile in the futility of their thinking because now I put on the mind of Christ. I'm changed. He's leading me into all truth. But you are the one who has the access code. Do you know when we said before, is anything too hard for God? Or is anything impossible for God? And we said, yeah, God cannot lie. You know there's something else that he won't do? He will not abuse your free will. So he goes, I bring this to you. I lay it before you. All of this is what you should do. All of this is what you should apply. But as Pastor Tony put it so right last week, when I get a message from Apple that says the latest operating service is here, would you like to activate it? There is a yes, no, or do it later. And most of us in church get by by going, I'll press the I'll do it later button, and I never get to change. But before us, we are a people who can stand with our heads held high because he's the lifter of my head, the lover of my soul, and you no longer need your old reference point 
Because the Holy Ghost, with the backing of the Father and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, will define who you are. If you partner with him and let him. So come on, church, let's just raise those holy hands for a minute. Father, we just pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord God, for that worship this morning where you brought the, the clarity again of your word that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us, it's cleansed us, that I no longer am a slave, that I am changed, that I am transformed. But Father, I pray for every life which is represented here this morning. Father God, I pray that that receptivity of the word, the eyes to see and the ears to hear, will, Lord God, move upon us. That, Lord God, already we're not thinking about what's for lunch, but, my God, I pray that there will no longer be the ability to be held captive, no longer futility of thinking, no longer lives that live for themselves, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. No longer, Father, I pray for the no longers in this place. That, Lord God, Father, we pray for an expiry day unto the work of the enemy. That, Lord God, the expiry day is today and it is finished that Lord God we choose to stand in a new day in a new way with you we make a fresh proclamation in our own hearts Lord God that I am no longer a slave to fear I will no longer allow the past to hold me back I will no longer allow shame intimidation fear rejection lack of uh, of intimacy all of those things Lord God I pray they come to an end from today I pray from today a new man a new woman standing in a new grace in a new way Father because of that old fashioned blood that blood that we shed, that blood that we shed, that I am saved by grace, uh, by faith. That's a, a gift of God that is not the working of man. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for the sealed work of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Holy Ghost, for your work and your continued work in our lives. But I pray maturity from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Bless you. Have a blessed week.